Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hydrogen Nowcast for February 23rd, 2024. I'm your host, Brian DeBruin, the director of the nonprofit Colorado Hydrogen Network. This is a podcast devoted to encouraging the deployment of hydrogen infrastructure throughout the world. Our intent is to encourage and motivate others to take charge, to help deploy hydrogen as a means to decarbonize the transportation and other energy sectors, and to accelerate the movement to stop climate change. Well, on the podcast today, we're going to hear from the company Hyatt Hydrogen, who makes electrochemical hydrogen compressors and electrochemical hydrogen purifiers. And to tell us all about the technology, the products, and the company is Quinton Swanborn, who's the head of business development at Hyatt Hydrogen. Quinton, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Brian. Honored to be here. Uh, thank you very much for the interest in the technology and looking forward to discussing our electrochemical hydrogen compression and purification, but also separation technology with you. Excellent. Well, uh, so happy that you could spend a little time with us today, Quinton. You know, listeners, this is the actually the second time that I've had Hyatt on the podcast, but the first time was way back in episode eight on August 19th of 2020. But I thought it was worth having Hyatt back on the show to talk about how the company and the products have evolved. Plus, we're seeing a lot of interest in natural hydrogen wells, which in fact was the subject of the last podcast. And Hyatt's purification technology is really useful to separate hydrogen from other gases that typically come from these wells. So, Quinton, why don't we start with you telling us a bit about Hyatt, the company, and the business in the Netherlands and the U.S.? For sure. So, Hyatt's headquarters is based in the Netherlands, in Arnhem. Hyatt stands for High Yield Energy Technologies. And we're focusing with Hyatt on the entire energy transition landscape. So Hyatt Hydrogen is one of the three main technology portfolio companies that Hyatt has. What's the mission of Hyatt is to accelerate the energy transition. We do that both in the, in the field of hydrogen generation, but also transportation and storage, and partly in the end-use side as well. We have a technology for generation of renewable power, thin film amorphous silicon solar panels. That is how Hyatt originally started out. Hyatt Hydrogen uh, was later added uh, to that. And then we have our newer company, Hyatt Clean Energy Solutions, uh, that also has uh, technologies in the lithium-ion space, carbon capture space, and ammonia cracking space, as well as in the electrolysis space. So we, we have a broad portfolio. How we work generally is together with knowledge institutes and universities to bridge the gap between lab scale and commercial application, among which uh, we work with uh, the Colorado School of Mines. So because of that, we also have an office uh, located in Golden, Colorado, where we run part of our operations from. After we've gone through a small commercial scale, we generally use with large industrial players for the industrialization of the equipment by leveraging their manufacturing capabilities, their supply chain and uh, sales channels. So example for hydrogen uh, is Baker Hughes. Uh, we recently announced a partnership with them in which we do a joint market approach in, uh, in getting hydrogen compression technology to market. All right. Well, thanks, Quentin. Uh, that's uh, really impressive, all the things that Hyatt is doing. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your career and what your interest is in hydrogen and, and what you do for Hyatt. Yeah, so I'm an industrial engineer by trade, specialized in renewable energy. Right after my studies, I also did some work at NREL in the thin film uh, solar panel space. So also for Hyatt and later went a bit more towards the hydrogen space where I've been working in the past couple of years. 
where my passion for that started. I'm a big nature enthusiast, love everything uh, outdoor. Also, that's why I, I did some, uh, some work in Colorado to experience the Rocky Mountains there. And I've been raised with the idea that we need to ensure that generations after us can experience the nature same way as we can. And big part of that to me is decarbonizing. And I see a lot of potential for decarbonization, especially in the renewable energy space. The more we move to a renewable energy landscape, the more buffering of energy will come into place since uh, solar and wind produce at moments that energy is available, not necessarily when energy is required. And hydrogen is a key piece in there in order to store energy for longer periods of time and transform it back to power at the time it is required. So that is why I, I started working more towards that, that hydrogen space. Within hydrogen, my role is head of business development. And I interface a lot between market and technology. So we don't have a catalog product. What we have is technology solutions that can fit different types of use cases. So big part of my role is scouting the, the market, see where we have good propositions versus uh, traditional uh, alternatives, and then find strategic partners in order to get the technology to the right scale for commercial operation. All right. Well, thanks, Quentin. I guess I didn't realize that you had spent time in Colorado. So uh, that's excellent. Glad to hear that. So you alluded a little bit to some of the business aspects of things, but why don't we start out talking about the technical aspects first? And probably the best place to start is why don't you explain really what an electrochemical compressor is and contrast that with mechanical compressors like piston or diaphragm? What mainly distinguishes our technology is the fact that we don't have any moving parts. So mechanical compressors achieve pressurization of volumes by physically compressing that gas. We work through another principle, so an electrochemical working principle, which implies that we transport hydrogen over a membrane in the form of protons, which is much like uh, you would see for PEM electrolysis, for example. The type of technology is quite similar. So the way our electrochemical hydrogen compression process works is low pressure hydrogen enters the equipment. We catalytically split up molecules of hydrogen into protons and electrons. And by applying power, we can circumvent the electrons to the other side of the membrane, which causes a potential static difference between inlet and outlet and drives protons from one side to the other. The amount of power required to drive that process is dependent on how low your inlet pressure is and how high your outlet pressure is. So the bigger that difference, the more energy it will take in order to drive those protons through the membrane. Okay, well, thanks, Quentin. You know, you were comparing the electrochemical compressor to an electrolyzer, and listeners will see this if they go to the Hyatt website, which is HyattHydrogen.com, but the stack for the compressor and a stack for a electrolyzer and a stack for a fuel cell look very similar. And I think even if you're an expert without the balance of plant around those, you'd be hard pressed to tell the difference. Yeah, so for the difference between electrochemical compressor stacks and uh, electrolysis stack, was the, the main difference uh, you'll see is that our compression stacks are round. They have round active areas because they are made for pressure containment. Electrolysis stacks can be round or square, usually square because the surface utilization of material in production processes is a bit higher and they don't need to withstand uh, that same type of pressure. All right, thank you. Well, why don't we talk about how the energy consumption and the cost of an electrochemical compressor compares to mechanical compressors. That is very much use case driven. Compression processes, they can have 
quite a lot of parameters influencing the, the type of design. So inlet pressures, outlet pressures, flow capacities, etc. For mechanical compressors, there's a sweet spot. And for electrochemical compressors, there's a sweet spot as well. So what works best for mechanical compressors is high flow rates, low compression uh, ratios, and, and quite consistent flows of gas. For our side, we operate better at high pressure differentials. We can also do uh, low pressure differentials at intermittent operations and uh, smaller flow volumes. So if we take 0.1 bar gauge, so slightly overpressure about atmospheric to 200 bars as an example, we could do that with a single stack. But with a mechanical compressor, you can consider about a compression ratio factor 2 per stage. So you will would need a lot of stages in order to get from that atmospheric pressure to about 200 bars, which in turn, you need a lot of interstage cooling, quite some equipment. So the energy efficiency and the capital costs for such a system are higher than our single stage solution. However, if we start looking at 100 bars to 200 bars, for example, mechanical compressor can do that in a single stage, very simple system. If we look at our technology, the, the stack will exactly be the, the same as for the atmospheric to 200 bars gauge, because we still need these, the same amount of, of membranes. Those membranes can do a high pressure differential. You can also use them for a lower pressure differential, but your competitive benchmark that you're competing against in mechanical compressors then is a lot more effective. So there is a bit of trade-offs to be made, of course, with regard to the type of use case, which technology would be best suited. Well, Quinter, what are some of the other use cases for the electrochemical compression? Yeah, so some of the main use cases are a direct coupling to electrolyzers. You'll see now that a lot of green hydrogen projects are being built for which electrolyzers are coupled to renewable energy sources. Uh, which causes fluctuations in hydrogen. Uh, we can very flexibly turn down the volume of compression for our compressors, which also, if we operate below nominal, increases energy efficiency. Plus, we require humidified hydrogen to run our process, which is supplied by electrolyzers. So we can tune very well to the outlet flow of electrolyzers. To, for example, then inject hydrogen into pipelines or pressurize it for industrial purposes. Something else which leveraged the unique characteristics is purification of hydrogen from dedicated pipelines. So dedicated pipelines will be used to transport hydrogen, which doesn't provide completely pure hydrogen. That will be 98% pure. We can compress from pipeline pressure to desired outlet pressure. So for example, a refueling station, and then at the same time, purify it to fuel cell grade. And another type of use case is uh, hydrogen release processes. So, for example, the release of hydrogen from ammonia or liquid organic hydrogen carriers, the process pressures of the release process are generally very low and contain some impurities. So there we can also do single stage compression and purification. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Quentin. Well, because electrochemical compressors allow only hydrogen protons to pass through the proton exchange membrane or PEM, that would mean that any impurities like oxygen or water would be filtered out. So electrochemical compressors purify hydrogen just by the nature of their operation. But Hyatt also has a distinct product to separate hydrogen. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the electrochemical hydrogen purifiers and about the benefits of electrochemical hydrogen separation equipment? Yeah, so indeed, as you rightly mentioned, with our compression equipment, inherently we do some purification because we split up the hydrogen into protons. Those protons pass the membrane and then recombine as molecules. 
we can filter out, so to say, contaminants that may be present since they will not catalytically react to protons and then pass the membrane to the other side. And we use that equipment if quantities of hydrogen are relatively high and you have a bit of impurities in there. However, if you go to the scenario where you have, for example, 5% of hydrogen in your feed and you enter that into the, the compression stacks, that would block the active area and we need to intermittently purge that. So we started out with the compression equipment, but we did get a lot of inquiries on having uh, lower quantities of hydrogen as well in bulk volumes of carrier gases. So for that, we designed a different piece of equipment, which is more similar like a fuel cell stack. It's also square, not made for pressure containment, but mainly for energy efficiently and cost effectively separating out hydrogen at equal pressure which uses the the same type of membrane material, the the same working principle. So again, we split up hydrogen into protons, which can pass the membrane, but without a pressure differential. We use a different type of configuration for those types of systems as well. So those we place in a pipe spool with a series of stacks behind each other, and the gas can freely flow between the cell plates. Uh, So you get a certain gradient of hydrogen in your flow, which is higher at the inlet of the pipe spool and lower at the outlet of the pipe spool, with which you can tune a separation rate of hydrogen. Now, that is quite unique compared to traditional separation equipment because there you cannot really tune uh, your recovery rate of hydrogen. What you will get, especially for pressure swing adsorption, is the purer your, you need the hydrogen to be at the outlet, the more hydrogen you will lose. For our technology, we separate out hydrogen to the required amount, for example, an end application, or even separate out all of the, the hydrogen. And the rest of the hydrogen remains in the retentate gas and remains flowing in the carrier gas stream. So with that, we minimize or actually avoid hydrogen loss in that process. Okay, well, I'm kind of wondering what some of the other key use cases would be for electrochemical purifiers. You know, I mentioned hydrogen wells and needing to separate gases out, but I'm also thinking about things like recovering hydrogen from a mix of hydrogen and and methane in, say, a natural gas pipeline. So what are really some of the key target uses or use cases that you see for the electrochemical purification? Yeah, so for really the the blending equipment or the separation equipment at lower quantities of hydrogen, blending, de-blending in a natural gas grid, that is one of the major use cases. So you can inject hydrogen into the natural gas grid, use that bulk volume of natural gas to transport that hydrogen and then separate it out again at an endpoint. It's something that we have demonstrated with SoCo gas as well uh, in California. But there's also industrial applications such as the recirculation of hydrogen. You get some industrial processes that produce hydrogen as a byproduct. Semiconductor processes, for example, there you get hydrogen and nitrogen blends. With our technology, we can separate out hydrogen from that nitrogen and recirculate it back to the initial process. And as you mentioned, natural hydrogen reserves, where you get blends of helium and methane and nitrogen, for example, in there as well, we can use our technology very well to purify and use that hydrogen again. So I mentioned before that uh, the separation equipment can be used to tune a recovery of hydrogen and it avoids losses. But also traditional types of separation methods, they mainly rely on the molecular size or weight of components. And if you're looking at mixtures of hydrogen and helium, for example, it becomes very difficult because helium and hydrogen, they have quite the same characteristics. Still, even at those types of specifications, we can separate out hydrogen because we transfer it into protons, pass that through the membrane, and the helium stays behind to achieve efficient separation. 
for traditional technologies, often also you create a pressure drop since you are, for example, for membrane, traditional separation membranes, you create a pressure differential, which causes it to filter some of the molecules, but your carrier gas will lose pressure in that process as well. So if we consider a deblending case of hydrogen and natural gas, it implies that you would need to recompress your entire carrier gas flow as well, which is a very expensive process. Okay, good. Well, thank you. Why don't we switch back to talking about the compressors again? And I'm wondering about the size of the plants, not just physical size, but also the hydrogen capacity. You know, the 700 bar piston compressors that I've seen are as large as a motorcycle and contain a huge amount of metal. But talk a little bit about the physical size as well as the hydrogen capacity for the compressors. Yeah, so what now is a standard design from our side is a two ton per day system which fits in a 20-foot container. Now working towards a 10-ton per day system in a 40-foot container. If you compare that to mechanical compressors, so for example, a atmospheric to 200-bar mechanical compressor at 10 tons per day would be about 250 square meters. And our technology will fit in about a tenth of that. So the main part for that is because we are not volume driven, we are mass flow driven. We don't need to mechanically make an entire volume smaller. With that electrochemical process, we can operate at relatively smaller equipment volumes than mechanical compressors. Interesting. I didn't realize there was such a big size differential. So that's really good to hear. Well, why don't we switch from talking about the technical aspects to more of the business aspects of Hyatt's products. So where do Hyatt's compressor and purification products stand in the development and the production cycle? Yeah, so that the first per application, uh, we already have commercial products up and running in the field. But especially on purification projects, the type of equipment that we deliver depends on use case specifications. So inlet pressures, outlet pressures, flow rates, uh, hydrogen purity at the inlet, required hydrogen purity at the outlet, etc. So our general procedure in validating that technology, so since it's a modular technology, we can at a small scale do a proof of principle and confirm performance criteria to see how that matches customer use cases. So often first do a confirmation test at a very small capacity of hydrogen, then do a pilot or demonstration project to get it at an actual site in the field and run some tests on it, and then go to a commercial stage. So we have different types of applications in different stages along that uh, that scale up. Okay, well, thanks, Quentin. So you already mentioned that Hyatt has their headquarters in the Netherlands, and you have an office here in Colorado and are also doing some work with SoCal Gas in Southern California. But could you talk a little bit about where some of the Hyatt compressors are already in use throughout the world? Yeah, so in different continents, I think almost uh, all continents operational in the US, Australia, Europe, in Asia, and types of applications that they're running at, for example, in the defense industry. So replacements for diesel generators. Those are our systems that generate power using solar. Uh, there's a small electrolyzer in there to turn that power into hydrogen. Our compressor is used to compress that hydrogen for storage. And then there's a fuel cell to, again, generate electricity from that hydrogen when uh, that is required. And why that is specifically interesting for military is because it doesn't make sound. You cannot place a diesel generator everywhere where you might want to be a bit more silent. 
But yeah, other applications, like industrial hydrogen recirculation processes, but also building heat and power applications, which is the same type of systems that I mentioned for the defense industry, but then for residential purposes. So especially in areas in the world where seasonality is a bigger factor, storage as hydrogen generated in summer to be used over the winter is, uh, is something that our equipment is, uh, is being used for. Well, you know, that's interesting. You mentioned the sound that the military is concerned about. And I could see that being the case for, say, a neighborhood hydrogen fuel station where you're doing compression and you may be concerned about noise. So that's uh, that's another interesting aspect. Well, Quinton, this has been a really great discussion. I would encourage the listeners to go to the Hyatt website to learn more about the compressors and the purification. And the website is HyattHydrogen.com. That's H-Y-E-T hydrogen.com. And of course, uh, they can put requests in for more information. But if listeners wanted to reach out to you, what's your email, Quentin? Uh, my email is quentin.swanborn at iot.nl. And maybe good, uh, Brian, to include it in the description of the podcast. I might not have the, the easiest name. Yeah, I will. I'll put that into the show notes. Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to add? Yeah, so maybe also to inform listeners, we've gone over a couple of use cases for our technology. But as mentioned, our technology is very flexible to fit to certain types of use cases. So in case you're working on hydrogen processing, both on the the compression or, or purification separation side, you're struggling to get the right kind of equipment to be used uh, for your processes, feel free to reach out. I would happily set up a a bit of use case study, uh, some costing to see how our technology could potentially make a difference. Okay. Well, thanks, Quentin. Well, listeners, I've been talking with Quentin Swanborn, who's the head of business development at Hyatt Hydrogen. Quentin, thanks for your time to be with us today. Uh, Thank you very much for having me, Brian. Uh, Very much enjoyed the conversation. Wish you all the best and uh, hope to see you in person in Colorado someday. Yeah. Well, if you're a skier, let me know when you're in town. We'll, We'll go hit the slopes. Sounds good. All right. Well, listeners, if you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, consider subscribing to the podcast and also give us a rating in your podcast app. A good rating helps us be discovered by other people. And of course, word of mouth recommendations are really important. So consider letting people in your own network know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. Now, if you'd like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me through the website at colorado-hydrogen.org or on LinkedIn. So until next time, this is Brian DeBruin wishing you health and prosperity. Goodbye.